We want to welcome all of you to the services here at Grace Church at Franklin in Franklin, Tennessee on this beautiful Sunday morning. And we also want to extend a welcome to those of you who may be tuning in through the internet on YouTube, Ustream, and Sermon Audio Video. David said in Psalm 134, Bless ye the Lord, all ye servants of the Lord, which by night stand in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary, in the holy place, and bless the Lord, the Lord that made heaven and earth, bless thee out of Zion. So I want you to all help us now as we praise the Lord with song and uh, through the teaching of his word. stand up this here good morning to everybody it's on the board as well for you 314 if you're using the hymnal Amen. 
you all can be seated and we'll do some more singing in just a minute. Good morning. I want to add my welcome to all of you to the services of Grace Church today and mention some prayer announcements uh, that uh, we ask that you would uh, raise them up before the Lord as he calls them to your mind throughout the week. <clears throat> I want to first of all thank you all for your prayers on my behalf. I'm feeling much better and thankful to the Lord for that. <clears throat> I want to continue to remember Benny Hargrove as he recovers well from this recent open heart surgery that he had and pray that the Lord might continue to minister to his needs. Uh, we want to mention Joe and Linda's uh, daughter, Tracy. Many of you may have seen the email where she suffered a mini-stroke uh, earlier this week, and uh, they've had some tests that revealed there's no permanent damage as a result of that stroke, so we praise the Lord for that. <clears throat> they also did find some nodules on her thyroid. They're going to do a biopsy, but they've told her that most of the time those come out benign, so we pray that that will be the case here. And they also found a small pin-sized hole in her heart that may have been there since birth. Uh, they said it's too small to do anything about, although it may have also contributed to this mini-stroke. So let's continue to ask the Lord to intercede on her behalf. <clears throat> we are thankful that uh, Lee and Judy Barton, I think they're both here today. I saw Judy. One of you. <laughs> We're glad to have Judy back and continue to remember Lee before the Lord. <clears throat> we also want to remember Carl Perry, who is recovering from recent throat surgery. Uh, Joe Moran's friend that we mentioned last week, Jay Copeland, who lives out in Georgia, has had several tests, all of which have come back with good news. He's got another test on his lungs, uh, so we continue to remember him. He had a mass removed from his throat uh, recently that was cancerous, <clears throat> and uh, they've determined that he does not have any recurrence of cancer, but he is having some coughing spells that he ends up passing out from. So let's continue to remember Jay Copeland before the Lord. Also for Beth Moran's niece, Laura Jackson, who is battling cancer, we continue to remember Shirley and glad to see her here today. We also continue to remember Pat Jackson. <clears throat> she is facing uh, many things as, as in addition to uh, her con constant pain. She has recently fell and cracked her hip, so let's continue to remember her. Also remember <clears throat> um, Angela Whit Whitley, who is a uh, friend of the daughter-in-law of Nelson and Linda Foster. We're going to continue to remember her before the Lord. Also for Evelyn Carrico's sister, Betty, who has cardiac issues. Uh, for Howie Smith, who is serving in the military. <clears throat> and I did get a chance to talk to Mike Vondren this week, and although he does have the need for a need replacement, he is trying physical therapy and other things to avoid having that done as long as possible. Let's continue to remember him before the Lord. And then I want to remind you that if you have a desire to support the ministry here at Grace Church, our offering box is located in the round table in the foyer. Feel free to put your offering in that plate. And also, if you wish to have uh, any of the messages that are taught here, they're all recorded on both CD and DVD, and you can fill out a slip that's located in the box to the right as you exit the building here on a table and just fill out the slip, and Lord willing, uh, that will be ready next week. Dale is out of town this week traveling, so we we want to remember him and Shannon. That may cause a slight delay in getting any of the of the tapes or CDs, CDs or DVDs that you've asked for. So <clears throat> continue to be patient for that. <clears throat> Is there any other announcements, Nelson? How at, <clears throat> yeah, just uh, in case you didn't hear that, Howie Smith was promoted to corporal uh, recently. <clears throat> after a couple of years in the service, so let's continue to remember him before the Lord and thankful that the Lord is recognizing his efforts. 
Okay. Larry's brother, Randy, let's remember him before the Lord, recently had neck surgery. Yes, ma'am. Okay. All right. Remember Carolyn Batts, who is not well today. All right. Josh is going to come up and lead us in some more scene. All right, good morning again, everybody, and I want to say another welcome to anybody just now joining us by the internet. Uh, we start our services now at 1045, if you're just now tuning in. We used to start at a different time, but it's 1045 now is when we start singing. Number 411 in the hymnal. Another quick note about Howie, for anybody that doesn't know. He's also doing schooling while he's doing his occupation in the military, so he's a busy guy. You know, keep him in prayer. Conquering now and still to conquer, right of the king in his might, leading the host of all the faithful into the midst of the fight. See them with courage advancing, clad with brilliant array, shouting the name of their leader, hear them exultingly say, to the strong is the battle, and not to the swift is the race. Yet to the true and the faithful, victory is promised through grace. Conquering now and still to conquer, who is this wonderful King? Whence are the armies which He leadeth, while of His glory they sing? While we're singing this song, not to the strong is the battle, not to the swift, but to the true and the faithful. How many of you here are true and faithful? No. Who do you think that's talking about? Our Lord Jesus Christ. So we can sing that with victory because we have, we have a high priest that's already won. He's already given us the victory. Isn't that good to know with all the things that are going on around us? I wouldn't want to get in the way of the Lord God Almighty. That's a scary place to be. Let's sing that last verse. Conquering now and still to conquer, Jesus, thou ruler of all. Thrones and their scepters all shall perish, crowds in their splendor shall fall. Shall the armies thou leadest, faithful and true to the last, find in thy mansions eternal, rest when their warfare is past. Not to the strong is the battle, and not to the swift is the race, yet to the true and the faithful victory is promised. I'm not true or faithful, but in Jesus, I can, I can claim that uh, victory, right? All right, before the throne of God above, let's do that.
I'll let y'all stay seated because I think I think uh, Brother Bill and Lynn are going to have y'all stand up for a while. So y'all can sit down. Before the throne of God above, I have a strong and perfect plea, a great high priest whose name is love, whoever lives and pleads for me. My name is graven on his hands, my name is written on his heart, I know that while in heaven he stands, no tongue can bid me this depart. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. Because the sinless Savior died, my sinful soul is counted free, for God the just is satisfied to look on him and pardon me, to look on him and pardon me. Behold him there, the risen lamb, my perfect spotless righteousness, the great unchangeable I am, the King of glory and of grace. One with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God, one with himself, I cannot die. My soul is purchased by his blood. My life is hid with Christ on high, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and my God, with Christ my Savior and Brother Bill and Lynn. I was thinking there when uh, Joshua had said something about how many of you have been faithful and righteous. And I thought about myself and I thought, well, I, I made a mistake one time, but then I thought about it, I was wrong about that. You'll get that in a minute, won't you? Let me say something before we, Lynn and I sing. Each year, Brother Bollinger, Ty and Charlene and their family have a gathering at the Opryland. And they're going to have one again this year. I'm going to let him tell you about it, about the dates. Ty, you want to come up? You can use this microphone right here. It has a special announcement to make to all of you who worship here with us. Thank you, Pastor. Yeah, we have a, a get-together. It's a convention. It's a health conference this Friday, Saturday, Sunday at the Gaylord Opryland. 
So if anybody from the congregation wants to attend, just come up to me afterwards and let me know, and we'll, we'll get your tickets reserved um, just behind the registration desk uh, on us. So we want you to come if you want to. Again, Gaylord Opera Land this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. This week, this uh, the 22nd, 23rd, 24th, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We start every morning at 8.30, and then we go to about 6, 6.30 every day. So you don't have to come to any or all or just some, just whatever you want. We can have a ticket for you behind the registration desk. If you just want to come to hear a couple of people, you can. So there'll be signs all over the Gaylord Opryland on how to get to us. We have, we're going to have about 2,000 people there, so they know where y'all are going to need to go. They'll direct you to the ballrooms where we'll be at. But you're, anybody in the congregation is welcome to come, um, and it'll, it, it will have a free ticket for you and whoever you want to bring um, for those three days, this Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Ty, how many, uh, what, what, how many speakers do you have? We Just have about 50, over 50 speakers at this point, so... So There's, you can choose who you want to hear. You can choose you who you want to hear. You don't have to stay there all day. You yeah, you don't have to sit there and listen to us. You can go listen to somebody else. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's, it's health-related, but it's also a lot of people that are there are going to be speaking on how to keep our country free. So it's health and freedom as well. It's kind of a – this is the first time we've had a conference that there's quite a few speakers that are not health experts – We've always had health experts in the past. There's a lot of health experts now, but now there's a lot of people that are going to be speaking on just how to keep, keep America free. Um, like, for instance, Saturday at 6 p.m., I think Eric Trump is going to be speaking at the conference. So, We do. We do. So, yeah, the, good question, Pastor. If you want to see who's speaking and when, if you go on the Internet to TTAC, stands for The Truth About Cancer, T-T-A-C Live, L-I-V-E dot com. You can see the schedule. You can click the schedule link, and you can see who's speaking when. Y'all, okay. this is a generous offer. He's talking about you going to hear these renowned men and doctors and people that, uh, that are known in the world for free. He's offering it free to you just to show up and put some knowledge in your head. The only thing that we ask is if you do come, that you heckle us from the audience <laughs> so we'll know that you're there. So, okay? Yeah, one more. T-T-A-C live, L-I-V-E dot com. No, what we'll do is, you, good question, you don't need a ticket for each day. There will just be a, a lanyard with your name on it in the back or behind the registration desk. And then that'll get you into all three days, whenever you want to come and whenever you want to leave. Yeah, no problem. Okay. All right. We we'll hope to see some of you there. And please do heckle us from the crowd. Y'all better take advantage of it. It cost me $10,000 last year to get in. <laughs> all right. Here's an old song. Let's get you to stand up. Joshua's kind enough to let you remain seated. Keep playing, sir. Just keep playing till I sing. All right, this is an old song called I'm Redeemed. How many of you probably will know it when we begin to start? Just help us out a little bit. Everybody ready? I am redeemed by love divine. 
Christ is mine All to Him I now resign I have been redeemed Oh, that was out now I'm redeemed By love divine Glory, glory Christ is mine All to Him I now resign I have been Now some of you sing with Lynn And some with me Ready? I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been redeemed. One more time. I'm redeemed by love divine. Glory, glory, glory. Christ is mine. All to Him I now resign. I have been redeemed. Now, how many of you remember an old song called I Have Decided to Follow Jesus? All of you remember that? Well, I'm going to teach you some new verses to it this morning, but they'll be easy for you to learn. All right, give us a key. I am persuaded to follow Jesus. I am persuaded to follow Jesus. I am persuaded to follow Jesus. No turning back. Sing that verse again. Everybody. I am persuaded, I am persuaded to, follow to follow Jesus. I am persuaded, I am persuaded to, follow Jesus. to follow Jesus. I am persuaded, I am persuaded to follow Jesus. No turning back. The Father chose me to follow Jesus. The Father chose me. To follow Jesus, the Father chose me to follow Jesus. The Father chose me to follow Jesus. No turning back. Look at the next verse. The Spirit drew me, and I will follow. The Spirit drew. turning back the sun has saved me and now I follow the sun has saved me and now I follow the sun has saved me and now I follow no turning back what about this one take the whole world take the whole world but Give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. Take the whole world, but give me Jesus. No turning back. No turning back. I am persuaded to 
How about this one? If no one joins me, still I will follow. If no one joins me, still I will follow. If no one joins me, still I will follow. If no one joins me, still I will follow. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. No turning back. Good. Let's pray. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for bringing us today into this place of worship. Pray that now your spirit will come among us and deal with every mind and every heart. Give us a true understanding of your word as we look into it. We pray, Father, that you'll give us a reverence for your holy word, what seems to be waning today in many people, in many hearts, in many churches. We believe that thy word is the word of the living God, and that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. We pray that you'll help us today as we look into your word. We thank you for the mercies of this week. We thank you for your blessings. We thank you for your healing power. We thank you for our health, our home, our happiness. And we thank you, Lord, for the hope that we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. We pray in his name for his sake. Amen. You may be seated. seated I made a mistake would you please stand one more time while we ask the Lord to help us this morning when we looking to his word an announcement here while you're seated, and then we'll look at the Word of God. Out in our foyer, when you come in on our tables, we have a couple things there. We have a couple of boxes. One box is for ordering any messages that you might want to have for your own. They are not, uh, there's no charge attached to it. The people of this church and people who uh, support us from other places pay for those CDs if you want to have them to listen again to a study or pass them around. They're out there. We also have, just before you come in these two swinging doors here on the right, there's a tray with some hearing devices in there. Personally, I use one when somebody else is speaking. 
You put it in your ear, you turn it on, and you determine how loud you want it, and it'll help you to hear. Now understand, if you have a hearing problem, uh, th th those are available. Then on the table out there, we have some tracks and some other things, and we have this particular magazine. They send us some of these each month called Imprimus. Now, years ago, there was a fellow who worshiped here with us named Brother Burke. Brother Burke was up in his 90s when the Lord uh, took him from us. But he, we used to have him read the Scripture here and lead us in prayer before we began the worship service. His son is a professor in the Hillsdale College in Michigan. And they put this out, and they print out over 6 million of these a month. 6 million. And they deal with things that you need to be aware of. So this issue says the January 6th insurrection hoax. You know the big deal that went on up there in Washington January 6th? And I saw all those people shouting and hollering and all that. I thought they were celebrating my birthday. That's why my birthday January 6th. Somebody said, hey, Bill, it's not your birthday. It's because they're attacking the Capitol up there. They weren't really attacking the Capitol. If you look up in, in the word insurrection, you know that when you have an insurrection, every single person is armed to the teeth. Armed to the teeth. It's war. It's not just a march up there, a protest. So this is a really, really good article. The January 6th Insurrection Hoax by Roger Kimball. And if you want one of these, if you want to read it, it's free. They're out there on the table. I think there are only about 12 or 14 of them. And here's one here that you can have. And so get you one of those and keep up. And then you might want to have them send them directly to you, to your home in the future. Turn in your Bibles, please, to the book of Genesis chapter 39. Genesis chapter 39. Last week, we considered the nature and the invincibility of the divine presence. Today, we're going to look at this Subject, the great temptation. The great temptation. Last week we learned that the fact that God is with his people does not mean they have no problems or trials, but it does mean that nothing and no one can overcome his purpose for them or separate them from his care and from his love. According to the Scriptures, the trials and the troubles that the people of God experience are testings. And these testings accomplish many things, but there are two major things that life uh, accomplishes, that God accomplishes in the lives of His people while we're in this world. The first thing is they usually reveal trials and tests and problems and getting old and disease and all of these things, number one, they usually reveal who does and who does not really belong to the Lord. John says in 1 John that there were a lot of people with us, but he said they went out from us. And he said they went out from us because although they were with us, they were not of us. For if they had been of us, they would no doubt have continued with us, he said. Number two, these trials and testings usually testify to the world that nothing and no one can separate the Lord and His children. 
I thought about the children of Israel when they were going through the wilderness. In Deuteronomy chapter 8, Moses said to the children of Israel, And thou shalt remember all the way whence the Lord led thee through the wilderness. And thou shalt remember, he said, these 40 years in the wilderness. And he said, He led you in this way to humble you and to test you and to know what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. Now, you know, the Lord had already told them several times what was in their heart. He knew what was in their heart, just like when he said to Adam in the Garden of Eden, Adam, where are you? You think he knew where Adam was? Of course he knew where he was. I mean, there wasn't but two people on earth at that time, right? Adam and Eve. And he was God. He knew where they were. But he's saying, where are you? In order that Adam might take account of himself and say, where am I? And he did the same thing with Israel. His purpose, he said, in testing them those 40 years was to humble thee, that is to mortify your pride, and to test thee, and to know what was in thine heart, whether thou wouldest keep his commandments or no. There were two things Israel had to learn. There are two things we have to learn. Number one, they had to learn they could not trust even themselves. You can't, I heard, I've heard people say, you know, I know my heart. I beg your pardon. <laughs> and you don't know your heart. And if the right situation presents itself, you say, well, I wouldn't do that. You might not do that, but you'll do that. And I tell you something else. You do anything if God takes his hands off of you. I guarantee you that. I've lived long enough to see that. Peter is, Peter is an example. He denied that he would ever deny the Lord. And the Lord said, before the cock crows, you'll deny me three times. And he did, didn't he? So this testing is to show us not to think that we can trust ourselves and our strength. And the second thing that that testing accomplishes is it shows us what grace is. The Lord did not choose them because they were a good and holy people. He chose them in spite of the fact that they were sinners. And it's the same way with you and me. We don't qualify for, to be children of God by our goodness and our obedience and our righteousness. But it shows His great grace, His great mercy, His great long-suffering to us. And He said to Israel, I humbled thee and I allowed you to go hungry. It was all the Lord. He let them go hungry. He brought them down that he might feed them with the bread from heaven, that they might not feed themselves, which is a picture of works. Bread from heaven, picture of grace, their own works, of course, means that they were sustaining themselves. I fed thee with manna, he said, that you had never eaten before, and your fathers knew nothing about. Now, why did he do that? Listen to this that they might learn to trust Him for the necessities of life. Here's the last verse. That you might know that man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Lord does man live. My dear friends, if you belong to Christ, you're going to have testings. But all of this testing, all of these trials, all of these temptations, 
will show who the true people of God are. They will reveal that the Lord always provides one way or another for his children. And they establish the truth that nothing can separate the Lord and his people. Here's what Solomon said. He said, the fining pot is for silver and the furnace for gold, but the Lord tries the hearts. John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, made this statement. He said, God often takes a course for accomplishing his purposes directly contrary to what our narrow views would prescribe. He brings a death upon our feelings, wishes, and prospects when he is about to give us the desire of our hearts. In other words, he makes us not to trust in ourselves, not to trust in this world, not to trust in anything we can do, not to trust in our ability, but to trust in him. Now, this fellow Joseph that we've been studying about has had some trials, but in this study, he's going to have the great temptation. That's why I titled it The Great Temptation. Joseph has been through a lot, and ultimately, he will receive a giant promotion. But the Lord is not through testing him yet. He is about to have the test, the toughest test of all. And it won't come from sickness. It won't come from war. It won't come from his hateful brothers. It will come from a woman. And this is nothing new. The very first man, Adam, fell away from God by means of a woman. Samson, perhaps the strongest man who's ever lived, who killed bears and lions with his bare hands, lost all of his strength and lost his eyesight because of a woman. Now, it's no secret, ladies, that you wield much power with the opposite sex. And it's always been that way since Adam met Eve. Isn't that true? That's true. Perhaps the most dangerous thing on planet Earth is a woman who does not fear God. Does not fear God. So I've got this study lined up with a little alliteration so you can follow it easily. I've got five points I want to make for you. The cause of this temptation, the curse in this temptation, the cure for this temptation, the call as a result of this temptation, and the consequences that came from this temptation. In Genesis chapter 39, this is what it says. It says that Joseph, verse 5, was made overseer, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake. Now you know the story, Joseph was sold by his brothers to some Ishmaelites. They sold him to a fellow named Potiphar. So now he's the slave of Potiphar. And it says that it came to pass, verse 5, Genesis 39, that Potiphar made Joseph overseer in his house and over all that he had. And that what was happening with Joseph was the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that Potiphar had in his house and in his field. Verse 6, And he left all that he had in Joseph's hand, 
and he knew nothing, he knew aught of what he had except the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. And it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph and she said, lie with me, lie with me. And ladies and gentlemen, for those of you old enough to know, that doesn't mean come and tell an untruth. That means I want an intimate relationship with you. Let's look first of all at the cause of this great temptation. What do you think the cause of this temptation is? Well, there's no doubt that it came from the tempter himself. From the moment that God Almighty made the declaration and the promise to send a Savior in the Garden of Eden, the tempter began his efforts to overturn it. The Lord said to the tempter in Genesis 3.15, I'm going to raise up a seed from the woman, and he is going to put you out of business. We generally think that Genesis 3.15 is the first promise of Messiah. A seed was promised, an offspring from the woman who would put the tempter out of business. So we should know that the whole purpose of the coming of the Messiah was to destroy the works of the devil. Listen to this passage, 1 John 3, 8. I'll tell you where they are. For the purpose, for this purpose, the Son of God was manifested that he might destroy the works of the devil. Listen to this passage, Hebrews 12, 14. For then as much as the children of God are partakers of flesh and blood, he, Jesus, also himself took part of flesh and blood, that through death he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is, the devil. I don't think it can be any clearer. Messiah must be a man to redeem man by means of death, and he must be God for the offering of his blood to be acceptable. And that's why we read in Acts 20, 28 that we are purchased with the blood of God. Now the tempter, the devil, Satan, he's not all-knowing. He's not present everywhere. And since he doesn't know all things, he had to guess from Genesis 3.15 on, he had to guess who the Messiah might be. That's, when he, when, that's the reason when he tempted Jesus, he said, if you are the Son of God. If you are the Son of God, turn these stones to bread. If you are the Son of God, jump down off of the temple and the angels will catch you. Down through history, the devil has guessed who the Messiah might be. He's the originator of the phrase that they use in military, kill them all and let God sort them out. That's what he did. He, anybody he suspected might be the Messiah, he tries to get rid of them to overthrow the purpose and the promise of God made way back in Genesis 3.15, repeated often several hundred times through the prophets and manifested and brought to pass in the birth of Jesus the Christ, the Messiah. So, from the beginning, he has killed and caused the death 
of all that he suspected. Well, Joseph is suspect because he has the birthright blessing. He is a son of Israel. You know, the first death uh, back in the Bible, that is the first murder, the first death by murder, was created by, was brought to pass, was done, committed by a fellow named Cain. Cain killed his brother Abel. Now, who inspired Cain to kill his brother Abel? 1 John chapter 3, verse 12, this is the message you've heard from the beginning, that we should love one another and not as Cain, who was of that wicked one and slew his brother. Jesus once said to a group of Jews, you are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father, you will do. He's a liar and he's a murderer, he says. John chapter 8, verse 44. So we have to constantly remind ourselves that we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against principalities and powers which rule and regulate blinded men and women on planet earth. In fact, Paul says if our gospel is hid, it's hid to those in whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which do not believe. Their minds are blinded by the devil, blinded also by sin and self. There's no doubt that the first and primary cause of this great temptation, which is going to come through a woman, is the great tempter himself. I think from the beginning the tempter has known the weakness of men regarding women. And he has been using women to get to men since the Garden of Eden. And the fault is not always in the woman, but mostly it's in the weakness of men. But now let's turn the coin over. There are some secondary causes for this great temptation. I think the primary cause is the great tempter, but there are some secondary causes. So let me say this before I lay them out for you. They're right here in your Bible. First, Many blessings of life can become curses if they're not received in faith and used for the Lord and His glory. The Apostle James tells us that we may pray for certain things for the wrong reasons, and then if we receive them, we use them in the wrong way, and so we bring trouble on ourselves. And so something that God gives us that we prayed for tends to be a problem for us. It's very important for us to remember that blessings always bring temptations. I want you to remember that. Blessings always bring temptations, and I'm going to show you that in just a moment. The problem, however, is not in the blessing, but the problem is in us. Such is our nature that prosperity and prestige, and promotion, and money, and fame, the very things that we, we strive for, success, can utterly destroy us if we are not walking with the Lord. And this is undoubtedly the reason the Lord doesn't give us some of the things that we ask for, because if we had them, we would destroy ourselves with them. We would ruin our lives. 
The primary cause of this great temptation is the tempter, but here's some secondary causes. The first one is prosperity. Look at verses 2 and 3. And the Lord was with Joseph, and he was a prosperous man, and he was in the house of his master the Egyptian, and his master saw that the Lord was with him, and that the Lord made all that he did to prosper in his hand. We have looked at this in detail, and we've learned that this prosperity includes not only our idea of prosperity, but some other things as well. For the purpose of our study today, we can understand this, that this prosperity means that everything is going well for Joseph, because the Lord was with him, and the Lord is working through his faith. But for many, prosperity has been a stumbling block. Listen to what the Lord told ancient Israel. It shall be, saith the Lord, that when you are in the land which the Lord swore to give to your fathers, to Abraham, to Isaac, and to Jacob, and to give you goodly cities which you did not build, and houses full of good things which you did not build, fill, and wells digged which you did not dig, and vineyards and olive trees which you did not plant, and when you have eaten and you are full, then beware, lest you forget the Lord which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. That is in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Then listen to this warning in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Beware that you do not forget the Lord thy God in not keeping his commandments, his judgments, and his statutes which I command you this day. Lest, listen now, lest when you have eaten and when you are full and when you have built houses and you have dwelt in them and your herds and your flocks multiply and your silver and your gold is multiplied and all that you have is multiplied, then your heart is lifted up, and you forget the Lord your God, which brought you out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage, and you say in your heart, my power and my might and the might of my hand has gotten me this wealth. But you shall remember, saith the Lord, that it is he who gives you power to get wealth. That's in Deuteronomy chapter 8. Sin has slain its millions, but prosperity its tens of millions. Brothers and sisters, it is better not to prosper in this world and walk with the Lord than to have the world and lose your soul. Isn't that what Jesus said? What shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? So prosperity could be a stumbling block. It wasn't for Joseph, but it can be. Secondly, popularity can be a stumbling block. Verse 4, And Joseph found grace in Potiphar's sight. There's no doubt in my mind that Joseph became Potiphar's favorite and that Potiphar personally liked him. I told you last week, Joseph couldn't have been a grump he couldn't have been a sullen guy. He couldn't have been that kind of always down, woe is me, something's going wrong type guy. Or these people wouldn't have liked him. The servants liked him, and Potiphar liked him. 
And I would imagine that Joseph was very popular with the other servants of the household. He was the kind of man that worked things out in such a way that everybody was happy from the bottom of the ladder to the top. He would have been voted most popular in high school. In America, we know all too well how deadly the lust for popularity can be. Murders have been committed because of jealousy over popularity. There's an entire series on television called The Cheerleader Murderers. The Cheerleader Murders. I don't have to tell you what that's about. Parents have tried to buy their children a place in popular and prestigious schools. In short, young people are selling their souls to have the spotlight of popularity shine on them. We are in a popularity craze in America. And let me tell you again, young people, it's better to be a nobody from nowhere and to walk with the Lord to be known than to be known by millions and lost to God. Here's the third thing that can cause problems. Po- uh, promotion. Verse 4, the second part of the verse. He served him, and Potiphar made him overseer all of, over all of his house, and all that he had he put into his hands. Promotion. Notice the progression of the language to indicate promotion. He was promoted to overseer, in the second phrase of verse 4, and then he was promoted, everything was put under him in the last phrase of verse 4. All that Potiphar had, he put into the hand of Joseph. Oh, how many have been promoted to a position or a place that proved to be their downfall. I could take your time up for the rest of this time together here at Grace Church and tell you stories of those people, of people, friends and family that I knew who were promoted, and they were promoted to judgment. All right, the next secondary cause is prestige, verse 5. Verse 5. It came to pass from the time that he made him overseer in his house, and over all that he had, that the Lord blessed the Egyptian's house for Joseph's sake, and the blessing of the Lord was upon all that he had in the house and in the field. At this point, Joseph had the widespread respect and admiration of everyone connected to Potiphar's estate, both in his family and from his friends and from his servants. In other words, Joseph could do no wrong. Potentially, he was right on top. He was on top of the heap. So there's prosperity, there's popularity, there's promotion, and there's prestige, and Joseph had it all. So the primary cause is the tempter, but these secondary causes of prosperity, popularity, promotion, and prestige can all be, also be used to bring a curse on us. Now let's look at the curse itself. The curse itself. We know the real cause of Joseph's prosperity in the Lord is the Lord, right? But let's look at this time in his life from strictly a human perspective. Suppose we had just been standing by and observing what happens to Joseph, and we don't consider the Lord's hand upon him. And I've noticed that in my lifetime, I'll see if, see if you agree with me. In my lifetime, I've seen some men who are not gifted with good looks, and I've seen them nevertheless become popular with many beautiful women 
when they are successful. Suddenly, they don't look too bad. Have you noticed that? I have. But Joseph didn't have that problem. Look at verse 6. This is the King James Version. I'm going to translate it for you. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand, and he knew not of anything that he had except the bread which he did eat. And Joseph was a goodly person and well favored. Let me translate that for you. Joseph was well built, and he was good looking. That's exactly what that means. He was well built, and he was good Looking, additionally, he was an intelligent man. He had learned the language now, the Egyptian language, and now he's the CEO of Potiphar's entire estate. And everyone admires him, according to verse 7, even Potiphar's wife. He left all that he had in Joseph's hand. And then verse 7, it came to pass after these things that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph. And she said, lie with me. Lynn's mother, my wife's mother, when we would read the Bible to her, some of the Old Testament, she would say, you know, the Bible is an X-rated book. I said, yes, it sure is. It's X-rated because it tells the truth. It doesn't talk about things in a roundabout way. Even though the King James Version, those translators boil things down and use the most mild language that they could, and I understand, I understand that. But here's a young man who's risen to the top of the ladder in Potiphar's house. He's built well. He is a handsome, good-looking fellow, and Potiphar's wife cast her eyes upon him. Now think about this. Joseph came into the picture is nothing but a Hebrew slave. And by the way, you can read in the Old Testament that the Egyptians despised the, the Hebrews. So he started out on the lower rung of the servant's ladder, but he quickly advanced because of his charm, his wit, and his intelligence. And no doubt, a part of his various duties was to serve Potiphar's wife. Remember, as it says in verse 5, he had been made overseer in Potiphar's house. That means he had free range throughout the property that belonged to Potiphar. He did not have to obtain special permission to go here or to go there. And as the days went by, he became quite familiar with everyone in Potiphar's estate, including Mrs. Potiphar. He brought her breakfast in bed. He was the one who prepared and served her noon lunch and her mid-afternoon tea as well as the evening meal. He was always there. And unknown to Joseph, she had become, begun to take an interest in him. And perhaps when he served her breakfast, she began on occasion to insist that he sit and talk to her for a while. And she probably told him about herself and her background and her family and how she met Mr. Potiphar. And she might have accidentally on purpose come into his living quarters for this or that, pretending she needed something or had a little errand for him to do. And I don't think I'd be too far off if I said that Joseph, who certainly was a man that had a discerning spirit, he probably noticed 
this advancing familiarity, and he did all he could to avoid it and to avoid being alone with her. But because he didn't make a move, finally one day she did. And when absolutely no one was around, according to verse 7, she made a move. And she said, lie with me. And the complete phrase indicates that she looked him straight in the eye. And she looked at him with that certain look that always shows a straying heart. That's the curse here. This is the great temptation. Now, I'm going to tell you a little bit about his age in just a minute. He's a little older than 17 here, but he's still a very young man. But we've considered the cause of his prosperity. We've considered the cause of this temptation. And we've considered this curse. Now let's consider the cure. What did Joseph do to escape this? Number one, in verse 8, he refused. In verse 8, it says, he refused. He was the one, the first one to just say no. (laughs) And then he gave his reasons for the refusal in verses 8 and 9. He said, I will not betray my master's trust. And he said, this would be sin, this would be wickedness. And he refused to knowingly and willingly and deliberately sin against his God. And then in verse 10, he began to avoid her. It says, it came to pass as she spake to Joseph day by day, he did not listen unto her. You see what happened? He refused. He gave his reasons for the refusal in verses 8 and 9. And then he began to avoid her. And that's verse 10. So now we move to the next point, the call. What do you think this is? (laughs) Well, let's find out. The call. First of all, if you notice that Joseph, I'm going to tell you something about his age. I think I promised a moment ago to tell you something about that. We know from Genesis 36, which we studied a while back, We know that Joseph was 17 years old when he first came to Egypt, okay? We know that he's going to be in prison for two to three years later. And according to Genesis chapter 41 and verse 46, he was 30 years old when he got out of prison. They say, what does this mean, Brother Sasser? What it means is... It means he was in the house of Potiphar for at least 10 years, maybe more. So it is therefore highly likely that he resisted Mrs. Potiphar's advances for several years, not just on an occasion or two. And besides, I want you to notice something. Look at verse 7. In verse 7, last part of the verse, it says... Uh, that his master's wife cast her eyes upon Joseph, and she said, lie with me. Now look at verse 12. She caught him by the garment, and she said, lie with me. And then in verse 10, day by day, it says she was agging him on to lie by her or to be with her, and he refused to do it. So this was an ongoing, almost daily thing. Day after day, she tempted Joseph, and day after day, he refused. 
But one day when he went in his house to do his work, and none of the house servants were there, we read in verse 12, and she caught him by his robe, and she said, come and lie with me. But he escaped, he ran outside, he left his robe in her hand. So you notice he not only refused, but he ran. And what did he get for his nobility? Well, there was a call, a call that came from that woman, like you can't imagine. And it wasn't a call to Joseph, and it wasn't a call for the police. It was a call to the men of the house, the servants who were always present in the house. Verse 14, she called unto the men of her house, and she spake unto them. And she said, you see, my husband brought this Hebrew in here to mock us. And he came in to lie with me, and I cried with a loud voice. And it came to pass, when he heard that I lifted up my voice and cried, he left his garment with me, he fled, and he got out, and he laid up his garment by her. She laid up his garment by her. She kept that garment as proof until her husband got home. That call was from Mrs. Potiphar. The first thing she did was she accused Joseph to her household servants. And then in verses 16, 17, and 18, she accused Joseph to her husband with the same story. With the same story. So now you've got to deal with the consequences. We got the, we got the cause, that's the devil. We got the Curse, that's the great temptation, okay? We've got this uh, lie that she told. We've got all of these things. Now, what are the consequences resulting from this? Do you see why I taught you in the last study that the fact that God is with you doesn't mean you will escape all the wrongs and all the trials and all the temptations and all the harm? In fact, we might argue the case that being faithful to the Lord will get you in more trouble than being faithful to the flesh in the world. The world will be your friend if you'll just go along with it. Joseph was one who wouldn't go along. James reminds us, don't you know that the friendship of the world is enmity with God? Whosoever therefore will be a friend of the world is the enemy of God. What a faithful, faithful man Joseph is. He puts all of us to shame. In my opinion, he is the most faithful man in the Bible with the exception of our Savior. So we've come full circle now. Full circle. The cause was the tempter, and now the consequences come about. But what happened to Joseph? It says that she called the men of the house in verse 14. And then in verse uh, 17, uh, she spake to her husband according to these words, saying, The Hebrew servant, when you have brought unto us, came in to mock me. And it came to pass, verse 18, as I lifted up my voice and cried that he left his garment with me, and he fled out. And it came to pass when his master heard the words of his wife, when she spake unto him, saying, After this manner did the servant 
did this servant to me that his wrath was kindled. That means he became very, very angry. Now you say, but Brother Sasser, you told us a couple of weeks ago that, that uh, Potiphar was the chief of the executioners. That's right. But it was against the law in Egypt, except under extreme circumstances. It was against the law to execute a Hebrew servant or a slave of any kind, Hebrew or otherwise. So what he does, he, knows, he does the next thing he can do, which is to put him in prison. Now, I don't know if you guys remember this. Some of you might remember back when we studied the book of Genesis, but I pointed out then that I think Potiphar knew what the truth was. But like a lot of men, he didn't have the intestinal fortitude to stand up to his wife. And so he didn't stand up to her. He just acted like he was upset, and he was upset. But I don't personally think he believed it. I think he knew that the type man Joseph was, he would not have done that. Maybe he didn't. Maybe he didn't. But however, the Lord knew about it. And Joseph remained faithful even in the face of this great temptation. Now, what does all of this teach us? Number one, it teaches us that you're going to have trouble. Number two, it teaches us that, as the Bible says, with the temptation, God will make a way of escape. He makes a way of escape. Sometimes we don't take it, we have to pay the consequences. But he does make a way of escape. He says that there's no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God will, with the temptation, with the trouble, with the trial, he'll make a way of escape, or he'll give you grace to bear up under it. That's what he says. So we're not going to escape the problems and the trials and the temptations in this world. But secondly, the Lord is always with us, and if we have fallen, he will forgive us. The Lord Jesus Christ says this, he will forgive us for our sins. Now, if you continue that, if you continue doing something like this over and over again, I doubt your repentance is sincere. But as Joshua pointed out earlier, if we're talking about any of our righteousness, we are sadly deceived because even the best righteousness we have is as filthy rags in the sight of God. That's what the Scripture said. Here's what Abraham Lincoln said. Abraham Lincoln said, I have been driven to my knees by the overwhelming conviction that I had nowhere else to go. So when you can't find an out anywhere else, you have to go to the Lord. Ought to go to Him first, but often we do not. Martin Luther said, I have held many things in my hand, and I have lost them all, but whatever I have placed in God's hands, that I still possess. What about this? This is from an unknown My friend, I do not know what you're going through, but look and see if God is directing you, inspecting you, correcting you, protecting you, or perfecting you. (laughs) That's pretty good. Look and see what God is doing. He might be inspecting you. He might be correcting you. He might be protecting you. Or he might be directing you, or he might be perfecting you. 
And as the dross is burned off to the gold and silver, so trials and tribulation in the hand of God often burns away things in our lives that we don't need. Lynn and I visited with Benny and Teresa Hargrove yesterday. And Benny is in high spirits. He is very, doing very well. He's very happy. Uh, and he and I talked about how this sickness, this heart surgery that he had, has caused him to appreciate life in a way that he never could have if he hadn't had to go through this. He appreciates life. He appreciates his friends. He appreciates the grace of God that has forgiven him of all of his sins, shedding the blood of God's own son to put away his sins and reconcile him unto God. George MacDonald, he's somebody, not the George MacDonald here, this guy lived a hundred and something years ago, he said this. He said, doing the will of God leaves me no time for disputing his plans. You might think, well, why did the Lord let Joseph go through all of this? Well, he might have done it so we can read about him and see how amazing the grace of God is and how the Lord can help us in our lives. Peace, peace is the deliberate adjustment. This is not for me. This is from an unknown source. Peace is the deliberate adjustment of my life to the will of God. If you're going to have peace, you're going to have to get to the place where you can say, not my will, but thine be done. May the Lord add his blessings to the teaching of his word. Would you stand together with me? As we read about such stories as Joseph, like this in the Bible, we should take heart and realize that the Lord always brings us through these trials. He does use them. In fact, often his hand is in them as a chastening hand. The Lord chastens those whom he loves, we're told in the book of Hebrews. If you're without chastisement, then you are without the grace of God because all of us sin. And chastisement doesn't always mean sickness. It doesn't always mean these kinds of trials, but it does mean that the Lord is going to deal with us and remind us, remind us of his grace, remind us of the blood of Christ that takes away all of our sins. So I want to say this to you, and as I've said this many, many, many times, it doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how deep the pit is you've fallen into. The hand of God is not shortened that it cannot save. He can reach you. But you need to turn yourself over to him and say, I'm going to do, Lord, by your grace, I'm going to do what you want me to do. I'm going to do it the right way and not my way. That's what I would do. That's what I'm trying to do. Yes, we fail every day, but if we confess our sins, 1 John 1, 9, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Now, that word confess, let me just tell you real quick and I'll let you go. <laughs> the word confess comes from a Greek word, homo legeo. You know what it means? It means to say the same thing as. 
In other words, you take sides with God against yourself. You agree with him about what he says about you and what you are by nature. By nature, I am a sinner and nothing at all. But thank the Lord, Jesus Christ is my all and in all. Isn't that right? So agree with God. Take sides with him against yourself. And say with David, as he said in Psalm 51, against thee and thee only have I sinned, and I've done this evil in thy sight. Put away my iniquity as far as the east is from the west. Blot out my transgressions, O Lord. That was the prayer of David. The Lord can do the same thing and will do the same thing for those who trust him. May the Lord help you to do that. Our Father, we call upon you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you for your grace and mercy. Thank you, Lord, for your persevering power and how you put up with us. Day after day, you pardon us, you forgive us, and you assure us of your love, great love through our Lord Jesus Christ. I pray that you'll take this study and bring great glory out of it for thyself and goodness for your people. And I pray in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ for his sake. Amen. Let's sing our song, Under the Blood of Jesus. Under the blood of Jesus, safe in the shepherd's fold, I'm under the blood of Jesus, I'm safe by the keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you, give you grace, and work every good work in you for the glory of his name. Through Christ Jesus our Lord, I pray for his sake. Amen. You're